Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hello, everybody. Hello. Try it again. Hello, everybody. It feels better, doesn't it? Amen. Good morning to you, too. Well, today we're going to continue in our series, uh, Love by Association, Jesus is the Vine, and we are the branches, and by that association, uh, the fruits of our life should begin with love, and so, love by association. So, exciting for me also that uh, this week we get back to our life groups again, which were paused, obviously, through the pandemic for a year, over a year, so we're starting up again this week, and hope. I hope many of you partook of that and started jumping back in. Um, also, next Sunday, uh, we're pausing in this series. We have one more message in this series in two weeks, but next week is Mother's Day. What a pathetic clap on that one. My goodness, Mother's Day. So I always do an independent message on Mother's Day and then one for Father's Day. Uh, and next week's no different. We're going to honor moms. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study the, the passage where Moses' mother has to put him in that little wicker basket in the Nile River. And the things that mothers face, and I'll parallel that, so it should be a good Sunday, and we're going to honor you, Mom. So today, we're going to take our next step in this series, um, Love Empathizes. Now... <clears throat> How many of you, if you had kids or when they were small, they put your grown-up shoes on and walked around the house? Anybody ever seen that happen? Isn't that really cute, huh? Okay, I'm a guy, so isn't that really cool? <clears throat> Just making sure, you know, I lower my voice on that one. Um, now, the truth is, uh, my kids did it. I don't know if I ever did it because back when I was growing up, there's like four pictures of me as a little kid. Not like today where you have 10 million pictures of each child. Am I right? How many of you, when you were a little back when, they don't have any pictures of you, right? You even wonder if you're part of the family. And then thank God they have those, uh, remember your school picture, the paper with your little picture in there, remember those? They still have those, right? Right? Okay, good, thank God. There's some things that are still in place. Now, um, my, my kids did that. They, they walked around in my shoes, they walked in, in my footsteps in, in a sense. Sympathy. Now hold that thought. My daughter Vanessa, you know, when she was a teenager, I don't know if she was like 13, 14, 15, I put, you know, you put rules and regulations on your kids, right? Because, you know, you're the parent, right? And, you're, you know, that's what you do. Now my daughter Vanessa, of the three, she's the one that hated the rules the most. Every one of you knows which one of your kids hates the rules the most, Right? And she's the strong-willed one. She's somewhat like her mother, but um, no. <laughs> she's like me. Um, and so I had put rules on her. One day, and I've never forgot it, I, I remember the moment when she was a teenager, she didn't like the rules, and she said this, and I quote, when I'm a mom and have my kids, I'm going to let them do whatever they want. Right. I thought, I wish I could have recorded that, but it's locked in the memory. And so flash forward, she's a mom, 
Oh, that's painful out there. She has children. Willa is a year and nine months, and Scotty is three months. Now, Willa is at that age now where she's beginning to push back, right? And she's driving Vanessa a little bit crazy. That's right, because it's not so easy, is it? It's not easy. And so me, because I remember the past, because I'm not like God where he forgets the past. I remember the past. So one day I'm at her house and Willa's driving her insane. And she's at her wit's end. I'm her, and I said, Willa, let me tell you a story about a girl when she was 13, 15 years old, somewhere in there. And Willa doesn't understand, but I'll tell her it again later on in life. And this little girl didn't like the rules on her life. And she uttered the words, when I'm a mom... I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want to do. Willa, you are the kid. That is the mom that uttered the words. And then I just laugh. Because it's payback, right? But here's the point. Now, Vanessa understands a little bit of what it means to be me. At some point, your kids who thought you were just the worst. And how many of your kids told you, like some of them told me, I hate you? Right? Never be afraid when your kid tells you they hate you. That's like par for the course. You just sit there and say, well, you know, I love you too. And just keep eating whatever you're eating. <laughs> Don't even let it bug you at all. Especially when they start loading up because they're, they're, they're running away at age eight and they want you to talk them out of it. Yeah, <laughs> see you later. No, I don't want to do that. But now she can empathize with dad. Now, empathy. The definition is this. The capacity to feel another's feelings, thoughts or attitudes vicariously. It is more deeply personal than sympathy. Huh. Sympathy says, gosh, too bad. Empathy moves into the feeling aspect and you can feel what they're going through. You might even step out, probably do something to even help that person because you're empathetic. Jesus was empathetic. He would feel for people as you read the Gospels. And Jesus, his greatest act of empathy was he injects himself back into humanity in the physical form came in the flesh he had created everything but we messed it up did we not so he comes down because we have sinned and we're dying in our sins and we're separated from God and he comes to go to that cross dies for us here's the cool thing on Jesus empathy in the New Testament letter of Hebrews chapter 4, you find that it says of Jesus, the writer writes, that Jesus was tempted in every way as you and I are, yet without sin. And that's why we can boldly draw close to the throne, His throne of grace. In other words, there's not a thing that you and I have gone through that Jesus can't say, well, I don't know what that feels like. He knows what it feels like. He walked among us. And the best thing I can say about that is Jesus gets us. 
He understands us. And that's why we can draw close to Him because He understands what we go through. He understands the pressures of life. He understands the temptations. He understands the separations because He experienced it on the cross. He understands it all. So He has empathy and He feels for us. And so today, hey, tell Him I said hi, okay? Tell Him Pastor Jim said hi. Today we're going to look at empathy. We're going to look at this thing in Scripture. But first, let's, um, let's go over our verse for the series. Here we go. Everyone read it together with me. One, two, three. Greater. In other words, love, the love of God of which we're associated with that flows through our spiritual veins, it's not just words. It's action. It does something. It's not just talk. It moves in and does something about it. That's true love. Now, our, our tagline then is this. When love meets inconvenience. Say that with me. When? And love is inconvenient. It's a very inconvenient thing at times. It's like, oh, I'd rather do this than that, but I know that's the loving thing to do. And so today we're going to look at this whole idea of love and empathy. Turning your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2, we're going to look at a woman who lived over 3,400 years ago. Yeah. Her name is Rahab. She was a prostitute. She is one of the greatest stories, comeback kids in all of Scripture. She's a great story of the redemption of God and how God can change a life and set it on a different trajectory of success. She's a great woman. And I will only give you that much right now. Now, what I'm going to do to give us a little bit of a bumper to understand the story for those of us who are newer to the faith, I'm going to read the first seven verses of Joshua so you understand what's going on because I can't read all the chapters because there's a lot to this story. But let me give you the first seven, and I'm going to read them, then I'm going to fill in some blanks, okay? Here we go. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, that's a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman, Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, uh, Yes, the men came to me. But I did not know where they came from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark because these cities to defend themselves would shut the gates. There were walls all around and you'd have watchmen on the walls watching at night to make sure no enemies were coming up to attack the city while people slept. She says um, <clears throat> that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax. 
which she had laid in order on the roof. So she hides them on the roof. So the men pursued them, so the king's, you know, secret agents, they leave to go find these spies, supposedly, that have left. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, places where you could cross, because they figured they're going to go back over the Jordan, they're going to go in the places where they could cross easily over the Jordan, the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. So the city's closed now, these guys go looking for them. Now let me tell you what's going on quickly here. Joshua and all the nation have traveled for 40 years. They have been wandering through the desert, heading to the promised land. They finally make the last stop at Shidon, and they're starting to gather on the other side of the river Jordan. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that from Jordan, if you've been there, you can look across. You cannot see the Jordan because it sits deeper as the land goes down, but then it elevates on the other side. As you look at the mountains there in Jordan, you see the mountain, Mount Nebo, where Moses died up there. But if from Jericho, they're looking and they see a massive amount of people that have now gathered on the other side of the Jordan. They know who it is. They've heard the stories. These are the Israelites that were delivered from Egypt and they've been annihilating every enemy that has come against them along the way. Now, if you're in that city, you're, you're panicked, and you're worried now about these things. J Joshua, he is a general by this time. He leads the armies. He didn't know anything about this before he left Egypt, but they had to learn warfare along the way. So he's very strategic in what he does. And so he decides, before we go over and attack and cross the Jordan, I'm going to send two spies to spy out the land and to spy out the city. Now, I have a question about that. And I'm going to answer you when I ask the question. Why does he send out two spies? Let me back up with another thought. How many spies did Moses send out 40 years ago? 12. Joshua sends out two. The reason why Joshua sends out two, and this is a leadership issue, he's realized from experience, ladies, too many cooks in the kitchen, right? When Moses sent out 12, they came back, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they said, we could take the land. Ten of them said, there's no way. We're going to die out there and they stirred up the nation of Israel and everybody's weeping and crying and they start wanting to go back to Egypt and that's the reason why they spent 40 years in that desert wandering when they could have been in the promised land in a couple of months by the way that they traveled 40 years Joshua comes there now and he says nope I'm not sending out 12 I'm not letting people talk everybody else out of it. I'm going to handpick two guys. Two guys that I know are gutsy. Two guys that are going to go in there, get the job done, come back and say, this is what we need to do. Let's go do it. Leaders in this room, wherever you lead, you better be careful. You better be careful who's in meetings with you because You've got to get people who are willing to run and got the guts to go forward. If you get too many scaredy cats in there who don't want to take chances, they'll stop the whole show. Any amens? 
I'll add one more thing in a church setting. There are too many Christians and there are too many that want to go back to the old ways all the time. Am I right? And then, you know, some of us are like that. I'm not like that. But you've got to always move forward as the Spirit moves you. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, when a person has tasted the old, they don't want the new. They don't want the new. They just want to stay in the old. They want to stay in the old way. And they get stuck in that old way. But you as a leader, you can't. You can't get stuck. You've got to drive it forward. You've got to push it forward. And you're going to get opposition just like Moses did and the rest of the guys. But you've got to drive that thing and push it forward. And you cannot be afraid of what people say and what people think. If you know this is God, you got to drive the, the whole moving forward. Any amens on that? Some of you, I just gave you everything you needed for this week. Amen? Now, two spies. So they go to Rahab's home. Of all places, they end up in a prostitute's house. Isn't that crazy? In this whole city, they end up there. Of course, the king of Jericho, he's got his counterintelligence, and he knows two guys made their way from across the river, and it's, they're in the city, and they think they've, I think they went to Rahab's house. So they go in there, and Rahab says, well, they did come here. I don't know where they're from, which is logical, because she was a prostitute. All kinds of guys would come. I don't know, she don't ask where they're from. And so she says, I don't know where they're from. And she says, but they left before the gate shut. If you leave now, you can go catch them. But she has them hidden in the roof. And that's going to save her life. And that is a telltale sign of where she stands in her life at the moment. Now, from here now, we're going to look at Rahab, this prostitute's life. And we're going to look at empathy from a perspective that if a church forgets about empathy, if we individually lose our empathy, we lost everything. We've lost everything. Because we need to walk in empathy for other people and we need to remember back what it was when we came to church, when we came to Jesus, and our lives were not, our lives were just broken, right? There were pieces that were just wrong. And we've been making bad decisions or going down wrong roads. And here comes Jesus, and he turns our life around. Remember that? Remember that? We've got to remember that. Have empathy for people. So here we go. Three things. Number one, love and empathy assumes God is working in a person's life. Now watch. We're going to go into the heart and the home of the woman, ex-prostitute Rahab. Watch this in verse 8 through 12. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. Now she's going to go talk to the guys up on the roof. And said to the men, Here's this, listen to what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. The word melted literally means to liquefy. Everybody's been liquefied when they come against you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water on the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Does news travel fast? You better believe it. That news got there years before Joshua and the gang show up that day. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, 
whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted. The word melted, I'm just, let me move on. And no courage. The word courage means like you've ever been punched in the solar plex and all the wind gets knocked out of you. When they heard what you guys did and what God did through you, we lost all breath. We were just knocked out. No courage remained in any man any longer because of you. Now watch. For the Lord your God, He is, He is, does she believe? She better believe she does now. He is God in heaven, above, and on earth, beneath. Does that encompass everything? So she believes He is the God, and there is no other. Verse 12. Now therefore, here's her petition. Please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And they agree, and they say, when we come, you better stay in your house and put this red cord, this red rope out your window so we know this is not the house to attack. Because people of faith live in there. And that's called the scarlet thread of redemption leading up to Jesus Christ. Any amens in scripture? Now, I want you to think about, please think about this. Love and empathy. It assumes that God is working in a person's life. If you were in that city and you heard of Rahab, what was the first thing you would think of? Oh, prostitute. Loser. God's not doing anything. That person, they deserve hell. But what was happening in Rahab's heart? God was working, was he not? She heard, faith cometh by, hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then she professed that your God is God. She made public confession. She heard and she believed. Never look at somebody and say, Ah, God's not doing anything. Don't write them off. You don't know what God's doing. You can't tell. Now let me tell you something. I, I shared one story in first service. I'm going to share this story in second service. Different story for this one. I remember before I was a Christian. And my family, you know, they're just witnessing to me all the time. And they're always telling me about end times. What's up with you people? They're always trying to scare me in the kingdom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It worked, didn't it? But then I learned there's so much more to Jesus after that. Well, let me tell you, I was, I was probably about a year from becoming a Christian. I'm, I don't remember exactly. But I had been shared with by my family so much that one day, I used to play slow-pitch softball, one day out at City Park, our game was delayed an hour. And our whole team sitting out there, which when there used to be a, a field there, out there in the outfield, in that parking area out there. And I don't know how it started. But the whole team's there, and they start talking about the end times. And guess what? I started teaching them. I'm not even a Christian. But everything that they had told me I, rem I didn't know I was going to become a Bible teacher, but I looked back like, well, there was an omen. And I start sharing all these things about the end times, and I'm scaring them. 
Now guys, was I a Christian at that time? No. Was I involved in all the sins and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm not going to mention them. But all the ones you think, not you preacher, yeah, this preacher. I was in all of it. But was God doing something in my heart? He was already working in my heart. He was already doing something. Never, ever write people off. See, love and empathy, it does not look at a person and say, ah, they're not coming to God. You don't know. You don't know what's happening inside of them. You don't know how God is working. You don't know what God is doing in their hearts. Never, ever forget that. That's empathy, my friends. See, the problem is, most, many in this room, you're black belt Christians, are you not? But some people are white belt Christians. And you think they should be black belts, right? They're white belts. Let them grow, okay? And don't try to force the issue in their life. Let them grow. The second thing is this today. Love empathizes for people with difficult pasts. Ooh, I like this one a lot. Look at Joshua chapter 6 and look at 20 to 22. It says this. This is when they're now, they're ready to go battle against Jericho and watch what God does. Most of you know the story, some of you don't. So the people shouted and the priest blew the trumpet. Da, 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 da. And it came about when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout and all the Israelites the trumpet sounds and they're yeah the war cry and the wall fell down flat of Jericho in other words the city is defenseless now do you know archaeologically they have now found because where did Rahab live she lived on the on the wall archaeologically they have found that there's one part of the wall that did not fall but all the rest of it fell isn't that something isn't that something? I love stuff like that. Maybe you don't. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and oxen, sheep, and donkey with the edge of the sword. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there as you have sworn to her. Go save her. We saw the scarlet robe. She stayed in the house. She helped us. Go, go get her out. She is safe. Okay. I got to deal with something first before I deal with the point. If you read there, they go in and they kill everybody. And somebody's going to say, and this is a legitimate question, guys. When you're faced with it, you got to know answers. How can a loving God Go in and mur have them murder everyone. How can a loving God do that? You ever face that one? Let me tell you the answer. The people in Canaan's land of which Israel is now entering, they would worship a God named Moloch. We talked about this last summer outdoors, if you remember, in our cultural quicksand series. Moloch, the image of Moloch, was this idol and he'd have his arms extended it would be an open belly where the, there's fire burning there and there's fire burning around and they'd heat it up it's, it's burning hot this whole idol they would sacrifice their babies to Molech by putting them on the hot burning arms of Molech the babies would scream as they're dying 
they would pound drums really loud to drown out the sounds of the babies dying, screaming, crying, so the parents couldn't hear. That was going on throughout Canaan's land, of which Israel's coming to wipe out the people that are doing these types of things. See, when you start sharing background, understand it changes your perspective, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Let me tell you something about God, which I don't understand. God gave them in this place where they're killing the babies 400 years to repent. You find this in Genesis 15. He gave them 400 years. They didn't repent. And so God finally says, enough baby killing. Enough is enough. You're going down as a nation. You're going down. I just gave a warning, didn't I? I just gave a warning. Remember that. Pray for our nation. Now let me say one more, a couple more things about that. Um, it's weird when people say, you know, you know, how can a loving God do these things? Well, wait a minute here. What they've just said in that question is that God has only one character quality, and that is love. Is that true? Do you only have one character quality? You have multiple character qualities. God is not just a God of love. He's also a God of judgment, is He not? Don't forget the other character qualities of God. That's what they do. Let me take it further. It gets me when people say, Oh, why doesn't God do something about evil? And then when He does, in Scripture they go, How can He, how can a loving God? You can't help, you can't, right? You see what I'm saying? They complain about, you know, he needs to do somebody evil. And then when he does, they complain about that. Here's the thing, guys. If somebody ever comes up to you and says, why doesn't God do something about that evil of what that person did to that person? Why didn't God stop that on the spot? If he's a loving God, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he stop that evil? Let me tell you something. If God stopped evil... He'd have to start with every one of us, right? He'd have to eliminate every human on the planet. That's a fact of life. See, the problem with people, and it's a Christian problem too, is we always focus on the evil out there, not on the evil in here. And God sees it all. And God sees it all. So if God is going to eliminate evil, He's got to eliminate you and me and the person asking the question. Never forget that. Now let me throw one more in the mix because they're going to throw in your face. You mean God allowed, had them go kill children? You ever hear that one? Verse 21, they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman. Those are adults. Young and old. Attach young and old to man and woman. Attach it to adults. It means old and young men and women. It doesn't mean children. You go back to um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, I think, verse 2, or 9, verse 2, and you find that when they wipe out cities, you find in the next verse that the children were not wiped out, they spared them. God's not going around killing babies and kids. He's, he's destroying groups of people that are killing babies. And He's not going to jump in the mix and do what they do. And so hopefully that gives you a little bit of um, 
apologetics to defend your faith when somebody asks what don't get upset just logically reason out what I just told you because you want them to think through because they've been thinking incorrectly about God and now you've been given a great opportunity to straighten the thinking out any amens so utilize it that way now back to the issue which is I don't even remember what it was here okay. love empathizes for people with difficult pasts Rahab her city crashes everything gone does she lose everything? Say yes. Does she lose her home basically? Yes. Does she lose her city? Yes. All this left is her and her family. Does she have to start completely over from scratch? Say yes. Is her life broken up? Say yes. She's, she's a believer now, but her life is broken up. Do people come to our church that way in all churches? You better believe it. They come broken. Their lives are shattered, some more than others. And we're here called to be loving and empathetic to these people. And we need to remember back what it was like to be them, huh? So we can help them and move them along the way. Do you know that this woman, Rahab, I told you she's one of the great redemption stories. Man, she gets married. Ex-prostitute finds a guy. Not just any guy. He's a Jewish man. And he's successful. His name is Salmon. We say it's Salmon. He used to play right field for the angels. Different story though, but I'm just joking. Now, this Jewish man named Salmon, he's going to marry, he marries Rahab. Can you imagine when he first brought her home to meet mommy and daddy, his, his Jewish parents? Hey mom, dad, I'm, I got a fiance. Oh yeah, what's her name? Said Rahab. What? Okay, son, 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 so let's talk right here. Okay, what, what Rahab are we talking about? You know, the only Rahab family survivors, you know, the, you know the story. You, mom, dad, go back and read Joshua too. You got it. <laughs> the prostitute, ex, mom, dad, ex-prostitute. She's a follower now. But son, can you imagine the murmuring? Can you imagine other Jewish people going, oh, he's marrying Rahab. Can you imagine that? But how many of us do that? How many of us get so locked up in somebody's past? Oh, they're this, they're that. Shut up. Amen. You know? I like saying shut up in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> and it's what I like to say. Look, if you want to talk about somebody else, go on social media first and list all the 25 ugly things in your life right now and all your past. Lay it all out there before you say a word about anyone else. Go do that. Get the log out of your eye, log eye. <clears throat> There's a song that goes with that, but I won't sing it. Or to empathize and love people. If we just got that, can you imagine how many people we'd reach? Quit going after the people that think they have it all together. Go after the broken ones. They're the ones who listen. Go in the highways and byways, Jesus said. Go after those people. Now, I got to move on. Number three. The third thing is this. Model love and empathy to the next generation. This becomes huge now as a parent or grandparent or one day becoming a parent. Now watch this. I'm going to go into Ruth and then I'm going to go into Matthew chapter one and I'm going to tie it together for you because this is how cool the Bible is. And I'm going to connect it to Rahab back here in Joshua. Now watch in, in Ruth. It says, this is a genealogy. Both will be genealogies in Matthew and here. And to Salmon, 
This is Rahab's husband. Was born Boaz. Anyone remember Boaz? And to Boaz, Obed. And to Obed was born Jesse. And to Jesse, David. Anyone remember David? He's going to be the king. He becomes the king of Israel. Now wait, let me connect it some more. Matthew 1, 5, the genealogy of none other than Jesus Christ. Look at his ancestors. Salmon was the father of Boaz by... Rahab is an ancestor of Jesus Christ the Messiah. Are you kidding me? An ex-prostitute? Yeah. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and we know Jesse's the father of David. We just read it in Ruth. Now, guys, get it, get it, get it. Because it's all about teaching your kids right. Teach, this is one of my big things. Teach them right. Boaz, in this New Testament letter of Ruth, it's two, two little letters down from Joshua, four chapters. You could read it in, in, in 20 minutes. Boaz marries a woman, a destitute, um, dirt poor, uh, somewhat homeless, non-Jewish widow by the name of Ruth. Boaz does. How is he able to bring himself to do that? Because he probably heard the stories from mom and dad of what mom was. Son, I, I was a prostitute. Lost everything. Yeah, I'm ashamed of my past, but you know what? I put my faith in God, Yahweh. And it changed my life. And it changed my life. And God gave me your daddy, and we had you. And so he, Boaz, sees mom and dad that it's okay to marry somebody with a questionable past, but is redeemed. It's okay to marry somebody like that instead of worrying about what everybody thinks. Because it's all under the blood. Either it is or it isn't, guys. Either it is or it isn't. <clears throat> you know the great thing about what Rahab is? Mary's a successful guy. You think pretty woman Hollywood came up with that script? <laughs> they just steal the scripts. They steal the scripts. But she's a redeemed woman. <clears throat> so, I'm, uh, I like murder mysteries. You guys know that, right? If I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a prosecuting attorney. Ain't no doubt about it. If I wasn't a prosecuting attorney, I'd be a profiler. No doubt about it. I'm profiling you all day long. I just like the psychology of him. I just, it just fascinates me. But I watch these, these, these murder mysteries, and there's something that reoccurs in the criminal. And they'll make these statements about this guy who murdered people, or maybe sometimes they meet a woman online, take them for everything they got, and then kill them. They'll say about this murder, they'll say they're a psychopath. In case you don't know what a psychopath is, one of the um, 
signs of, or elements of a psychopath is they have no feeling for anyone. They could care less about anyone. And more than likely, something went wrong in their childhood where they shut down emotion and they shut down feeling. But that doesn't give them the right to do what they do. But they have no feeling. We've got to be careful that we don't become Christian psychopaths, that we don't feel for people. Empathy feels. Jesus one day is talking to the gang and the people around there. Luke chapter 10. Somebody asked him, a lawyer asked him a question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, do this, this, and this. He goes, what else? He goes, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the guy says, you know, don't ask Jesus a question after he answers you because you're going to get it. And, and, and the man says, then who's my neighbor? In other words, who am I supposed to do good to? Could you tell me who that is? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to tell you a story. There was this guy walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a dangerous road in that day. They'd walk through there. These were businessmen traveling back and forth. But robbers would hide out and tr try to steal what you have. He says, one day this guy's walking along and he gets jumped. <coughs> they beat him and they beat him and they beat him. And they beat him within one, one inch of his life. They take his money and they leave him there to die in the road. That's a psychopath. I don't care about that person. He says, then these two church people come by. We'll just call them pastors in that day. A Levite and a priest. They walk down the road and they see the man dying in the road. What they do when they see him, they go, they walk to the other side of the road and walk right on by him. They do nothing. I'm sure they had sympathy, poor guy, but they had no empathy, had no feeling toward him. They're not going to do anything about it. And then Jesus brings in the main character in the story. He says, then a Samaritan. And you've got to understand, when he mentions the word Samaritan to a crowd of Jews, they're like, oh, because they don't like those people at all, my friends. A Samaritan comes by and he sees the man. And Jesus says, the Samaritan felt. He felt for the man. He stops. And he uses what he has as medicinal things. And why he would carry a little medicinal kit is because he knew that that could happen to him on that road. These people could jump him. These robbers. And he uses his own medicinal kit to heal them, to bandage the man up. He picks up the man, puts him on his beast, and he keeps going down the road. When he comes to an inn, he puts the man up in there and he says, here's the money, take care of him. When I come back, if it costs more, I'll give you that money too. He paid the price for the man. <laughs> Jesus says, at the end of the story, he goes, when the question is, who proved to be the neighbor or the man who stopped, the Samaritan, he goes, go and do the same. Go and do the same thing. Don't talk about how much you love. Don't talk about it. Go do something about it. You know what's crazy? The Levite and the priest who walked down that road and stepped to the other side, they wear what's called phylacteries. If you ever go to Israel with this, you'll see them 
these rabbis, they have these black pouches either on the forehead or the right arm. They're phylacteries. They have bits of scripture inside of them. You can't miss it. They're an Old Testament thing. You know that inside the phylacteries, some of the verses they carry in there are, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. These guys are wearing it. And they just go, nope. Walk right on by my neighbor. But Jesus says, that guy who stopped, you go do the same thing. That guy stopped because he felt. And I pray, or I should say, sometimes I fear that we can become so Christianized and so caught up in all the wrong things that we no longer feel. We no longer look at people as our neighbor. I don't care who they are, what they are. We don't think like that anymore. And we get swept up in all the craziness and things. We need to get back to this. To love our neighbor. To love our neighbor. Otherwise, we're just a Christian psychopath. We don't feel for anybody. And we have all our great Christian cliches and statements that we make who cares? Who cares? No. Love empathizes. Love empathizes. Jesus, in the story of the Good Samaritan, if you really think about it, he is the Good Samaritan. He's the one who came down that road, comes to earth, and he sees us lying dead, dying in the street because of our sins. And he bandages us up. And he takes us to the inn, the local church. And, he's, and he redeems us. He pays the price at the local inn. He paid the price on the cross. He paid for us. And he healed our hearts, and he's healing our hearts. And now we're to turn around and operate and live like him. Let's pray. I'm done. Lord, some of us really need uh, to get back to love and empathy because we get so caught up in this world. All we do is have cliches about world and politics and everything else and nobody cares anymore to hear it. Let's get back to just loving people, whoever they are, whoever they are. I pray God for us New Beginnings people, whether you're here or you're watching, got to get back to this stuff you got to get back to this stuff now friend let me tell you if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ <coughs> understand that you are the person dying in the road in the story because of sins I'm a sinner too I was dying in that road but Jesus came and he and he went to a cross and carried our sins and he paid the price for our healing and for our eternity. And he wants to do the same for you. He wants to wash away your sins so you can enter into the kingdom of God into relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what life is really about. And I'm going to give you a, 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 an opportunity to do just that. Or maybe you backslid. Maybe you, you, you walked away from God 
You once walked with them, just grew cold in heart. And Jesus even said in the last days, the love of many is going to grow cold. You got to get the fire back in. Your love for people. Your love for people. Because that's what matters in God's eyes. Maybe it's time to come back and let's get this thing right now. Let's walk in the love of God. So if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Everybody here is going to say it out loud. If you're at home, say it. Say it out loud with them, wherever you're at. And as you repeat it, you just got to believe it. Believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord, the only God. By virtue of the resurrection, that's why we can claim He's the only God. But repeat this prayer now. Everyone out loud in this room here, at home, and those of you putting your faith in Christ or rededicating your life. Here we go all together. Jesus, thank you for saving me, for paying the price for my sins. Forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven. I place my faith in you. Today I become a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. Friends, let me pray. God, I, I, uh, Lord, I lift up anyone who said that prayer for the first time in rededication to you. They belong to you. They're a child of God. They're a follower of Christ. And I pray for you, friend. Get around Christians. We'll guide you the right way. On our website, <laughs> you can follow a certain path in there that helps you with your first steps talk to somebody and jump in church start walking in this new life read the New Testament over and over again for the first couple years just stay there and find out about this Messiah if you don't have a Bible we got Bibles here at the Connect Center right after service out there but just know friend that when you said that prayer that all of heaven can you imagine all of heaven can you imagine all of heaven rejoiced over you over you that's a good thing. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us for today. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen and amen. All right. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.